Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Uh, glad to see your smiling faces. Are you guys glad it's, uh, for some of y'all anyways, it's a long weekend, so that's a good thing. Get a few more days to do honeydews around the house, I guess. I don't know. Joni's had me painting the house all week, so that's a lot of fun. That's a, uh, more fun than the barrel of monkeys, as they say, right? But uh, phase, somebody asked me, would you get finished, you know, with the painting? I said, well, phase one's done. She's got, you know, I think 15 phases that we, is that right, 15? It's a 15-phase project at Casa de Henson. So uh, it's good to be here this morning. I'm glad to see your smiling faces. And as we're here this morning, I, I want us to be thinking about what it is to work for the Lord. This is Labor Day weekend. And... You know, it was a holiday that was instituted to, uh, to, to give the working man a break, uh, to, to look at the, the life of them. And, 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 I, and I think that's great that we have that. But for the believer, we are called to work endlessly for the cause of the gospel. The work of a Christian never ends. We, we always have a, a place to go. Jesus spoke of the harvest, that the harvest is plentiful, right? But the workers are few. The harvest is there, so the problem's not in the harvest. It's not in the, the plants that are ready to be harvested. The, the problem uh, that Jesus brings to light is in the workers. And in the church today, we need to understand that God is calling people to be active about his work. Uh, Jesus himself, when he was just a young man, he, he gets away from his parents at the temple. You guys remember that? And I know people could go one way or the other and say this or that about Jesus and, and not checking in with mom or dad. But when he was uh, approached by his parents and they said, where were you? He says, don't you know, I must be about my father's business. Church, we need to be about the father's business. And, and part of the Father's business, I, I want us to understand this, and we're big on ministry and missions and you know, going out and doing this, that, and the other, but, but I want you just for a moment to look around you. Look at your, all the faces that are here. You see them? You recognize them? Have you seen them before? Some of them maybe you haven't, some of them you have. I want you just for a moment this morning to think about people that are normally here, but now they're not. For whatever reason, they, they had a cookout today or they're mad at Pastor Man or whatever. You know, there's all these things that you think about. I want you to look at all these people in the house today, all those that aren't here. And I want us to call to attention a work that we have to be serious about. And that is loving each other. It's important. I'm not saying that we're a self-serving church by any means. But the thing is, is if we're to call the world to unity with Christ, how can we do that if we don't have unity within ourselves? I'm going to say that again. So I think it needs to sink in a little bit. If we're to call the world to unity with Christ, how can we not do that if we don't have unity within ourselves? We have to have it. It's a work that God has called us to. Um, the, the whole point, and, and, and Scripture teaches how we are to handle disputes within the church or how we're to handle differences within the church or how we're to do ministry. And every bit of it comes back, and everybody catch this, every bit of it comes back to having the mind of Christ. If the mind of Christ is ever taken out of the relationships with people within the church, then we're going to have problems. And I get it. A lot of times you have people and they're, they're upset, they're mad, they're this, they're that, whatever. But if Christ is out of the situation, there, there's going to be problems every single time. So we need to make sure that is, as a body of Christ that we're taking care of each other too, that we're loving each other. It's the importance in, in small groups. It's the importance, everybody hear this, in Sunday school. Everybody say Sunday school. Sunday school is important and it's important for every member of the church, every person that's here. Life groups are important. For every person here, a lot of people say, like, well, I don't like small groups. I don't like, I don't like this. I don't like that. Here's the thing. We need the body of Christ in our life. And the body of Christ needs us. I see it all the time. People, they'll post these beautiful things, beautiful verses. They look all Christian, but yet they don't ever darken the door of a church. Have you seen that before? I'm not passing judgment, but I'm saying you've got these people and they'll say, well, I don't have to go to church in order to be saved. 
No, but the thing is, is that Jesus valued the church. The person that you say you follow Jesus, he, he said this about the church. He said that the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. He talked to Peter and he told Peter, he says, you know what? That faith that you're showing right now, that's what I'm going to build this church on. That's the rock. That's the bedrock. And so to me, when I read that, that tells me that Jesus valued the work of the church. Before we get any misconceptions about what church is, some people think church is some place where I go and I feel good about myself. That's not what the church is about. Were you guys blessed by the worship this morning? Did it make you feel good? That's a side effect. That's not the reason we do it. Everybody hear that? If you felt good because of the worship this morning, all right. But the reason we worship is not because of you. It's because of Him. The work of the gospel is in the same way. And I mentioned this a couple weeks ago when we did the, the community outreach. Did it make you feel good to go and help people? Good. But the reason we do that is not for our glory, but for His. And as we're doing that, we need to be more and more aware that we need to take care of each other and love each other. Because Scripture even teaches us that they'll know we are Christians by our love. By our love. And so as we're looking, I want you to think about this this morning. In 1 Samuel chapter 24, David is still running from Saul. Saul is still trying to kill David. Everybody catch that for a moment. Have you ever had someone that is just wanting to come after you and kill you? And I'm not talking about your parents coming after you, okay? That happens to everyone. I'm going to kill you. Now, I'm not talking about that, okay? I'm talking about you literally doing what God has called you to, what God has anointed you to, and then you've got people coming after you, not just to talk bad about you, not just to express that they... You know, they've got something against you, but, but he's coming after David to kill him. Does everybody hear that? He's coming after David to end his life. And I don't know, when, I, when I'm reading this passage of scripture, I, I, I see that, that as believers in Jesus, I think sometimes we think we have the right to go and to be mean to people that have been mean to us. <laughs> There's an old Oki saying that goes like this, well, they cut their own throat. I love that saying, but it's not biblical. <laughs> and I know what we can mean by it, right? Uh, you know, hey, well, they, you know, they made their bed. But the, honestly, as believers in Jesus, if someone is against us or against the church or against Christianity for that matter, we don't hate back, we love back. That's it. We don't hate back, we love back. We, we show them the love of Jesus. And I don't say that as a, like a, you know, self-righteous will. I don't hate anyone. Guys, I'll tell you something. Sometimes I get mad while I'm driving. Sometimes I get mad when people say something about this person or that person. Or, you know, I, it's, it, I know. I get that. But we are not called. It is not in the Christian arsenal to hate others. We have been equipped with the fruits of the Spirit. We have been equipped with the Holy Spirit to move us forward, to love people, to know God. That's what we're called to. 1 Samuel chapter 24. Look at this, verse 1. It says, When Saul returned from following the Philistines, and there's this whole story. I, I've kind of, you know, went over a couple of passages here. But, but Saul had kind of stopped following David, and he was going after the Philistines, but David was still in his mind to kill. When Saul returned from following the Philistines, he was told, Behold, David is in the wilderness of Engedi. Then Saul took 3,000 chosen men out of all Israel and went to seek David and his men in front of the wild goat's rocks. And he came to the sheepfolds, by the way, where there was a cave, and Saul was in to relieve himself. Everybody knows what that means, right? He went to a cave to use the restroom. And Saul went in to relieve himself. Now, David and his men were sitting in the innermost parts of the cave. And the men of David said to him, Here is the day of which the Lord said to you, Behold, I will give your enemy into your hands, and you shall do to him as it shall seem good to you. Then David arose and stealthily cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And afterward, David's heart struck him. 
because he had cut off a corner of Saul's robe. And he said to his men, The Lord forbid that I should do this thing to my Lord, the Lord's anointed, to put out my hand against him, seeing he is the Lord's anointed. So David persuaded his men with these words and did not permit them to attack Saul. And Saul rose up and left the cave and went on his way. And afterward, David also arose and went out of the cave and he called out to Saul, my Lord, the king. And when Saul looked behind him, David bowed with his face to the earth and he paid homage. And David said to Saul, why do you listen to the words of men who say, behold, David seeks you harm. Behold, this day your eyes have seen how the Lord gave you today into my hand in the cave. And some told me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not put out my hand against the Lord, for he is the Lord's anointed. See my father, see the corner of your robe in my hand. For the fact that I cut off the corner of your robe, it did not kill you. You may know and see that there is no wrong or treason in my hands. I have not sinned against you, though you hunt my life to take it. May the Lord judge between me and you. May the Lord avenge me against you. But my hand shall not be against you. As the proverb of the ancients says, out of the wicked comes wickedness. But my hand shall not be against you. Heavenly Father, as we read this passage of scripture, we, we see, uh, I believe, a correct way to, to handle controversy, to handle adversity, to handle the things of this world. And Lord, it all comes back to this, is being led by the Holy Spirit in everything that we do. Lord, I pray that you would lead me by the Holy Spirit this morning as we, as we talk about this, as we look and, and dig deep into your word to see how it is that we are to live our lives. Thank you for being a good and gracious God. Thank you for your word that grows our faith today. Lord, would you call people to repentance? Would you call people to action today? In your most holy name, amen. You know, you're looking at this passage, and, and you get this funny picture of, you know, David, they're kind of hiding in a cave, right? And, and I, it's kind of humorous. It's kind of humorous, and I'm, I'm a 12-year-old at heart. But, but you know, here's David and, and his men. They're hiding in this cave, and, and, and they're in this cave, and they're hiding. They're, they're, they think they're safe, right? And then they look up, and, like, there's the rear end of the king doing his business in the cave, now here they are, they think they're safe, they're hiding from Saul, and Saul comes in and literally is just doing business right there in the cave. And, and his men look at him and they say, man, this is your chance. He's like, you could kill him super easy now. This is your ch God has given you this opportunity to do that. Have you ever felt like you had the opportunity just to say something to someone and you're just like, man, those are good words, you know? Has anybody ever said something smart aleck to you and then like later on you think, man, I wish I would have said this. You ever done that? But sometimes, sometimes when someone pops off to us or they say negative things to us, right there in the moment, we got, man, we're right there on it. And we can say something really good. Just, oh, I'm going to cut them, you know? The truth of the matter is, is that God has not called us to be people who hurt others, even if they hurt us. And again, this isn't some self-righteous thing. It's not something that, I, you know, that you come up with. And, and it's interesting because you read Scripture, and Scripture teaches us to love others. We don't do it so that we can say, well, man, you know, that guy, he's really, he really loves the Lord. Or that lady, she really loves Jesus. The reason we do it is not for our benefit, but for the benefit of God. For the glory of God. And we love people not by our own power, but by the power of the Holy Spirit. And when you're looking through here, verse 5, it says that, that David goes up after he goes up and cuts off a piece of, of the robe. It says then he feels bad. It says in his heart, he felt bad. You guys catch this? He did kind of act out a little bit. His anger. And probably for all, all purposes, I mean, it, it makes sense. If someone was trying to kill you, wouldn't you at least try to protect yourself? And here you are in your, in your safe place, you know? You're, you're safe in this cave, and then this guy that's trying to kill you is pooping in front of you, you know? I mean, this is, don't get mad at me. That's what scripture teaches here. The king is in there doing that, and, and there's the, uh, the great opportunity to kill the king. 
And he acts out a little bit, just a little bit, and he cuts that. Sometimes, guys, we just act out a little bit, but it doesn't make it right. Sometimes we say little things to people, our attitudes towards people. It's just a little thing. It's just a little bit of a, a robe. That robe, you probably wouldn't even miss that little corner that he cut off. But, but the thing is, is that we're not even called to that. And in that moment that he cut that, it says that he felt bad. He felt bad. The first point I want us to look at this morning is that the true believer is ruled by the Spirit's call. The true believer is ruled by the Spirit's call. Here we see David, and we know who David is, right? The Bible teaches us that David was a man after God's own heart. In other words, he's seeking God. Is he perfect? No, he just cut off a, a piece of the, the king's robe. Which, by the way, robes back then signified who you were. Robes were of value. It didn't say that he cut off a piece of his underwear. Which that would have been funny. But he didn't do that, right? He cut off a piece of the robe. He, he basically was cutting off a piece of who he was. It still didn't make it right. Did he stab him? Nope. Did he hit him over the head? No. But it still didn't make it right. And even in that moment, he feels, man, Lord, I'm not supposed to be doing this. This is your anointed person. This is, this is who, who you've placed in the, in the role of king today. So his, his heart, um, in, 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 the, in the Hebrew, that word heart, and you see it several times throughout the, the, uh, the Old Testament, but in Hebrew, that word is lave. And heart doesn't just mean like his heart. It wasn't like he just had adrenaline pumping or something like that. Heart literally means like your conscience. It literally means your will. It means what drives you. That word lave is used several times in scripture. And, and the, the idea that that heart, that, that, that it's not a physical thing. It was a spiritual thing. And even though we may look at this story and say, man, he should have killed him. Because his buddies were telling him, hey, this is your moment. This is your moment to kill the king, to get back. This is your moment to assume the throne. Guys, here's the thing. We don't work on our time. We work on God's time. And your little quips and, and the things that you may say against people, the negativity that you may spread among the people that you say you love, that's not the Lord's time. It's not. We are called to go forth in love. Jesus told his disciples to go into the world and to do what? To make disciples. Right? As a church, we're not called to make people who just get sleepy in church and then go home. <laughs> Wake up. Okay? We are called to make disciples. A disciple is someone who follows. And so as a church, we're not calling people just to, well, you know, and it's great to fill a church up and have people here every week. But honestly, if you're just a person who comes and sits in church and goes home and then you may not even think about God for a week, that's not what God's called you to. And I don't say that to guilt you. What I'm saying is that you're missing out on a very full life. That when you're following Jesus and you're really following Jesus, you're blessed by it. Guys, I've been pastoring like basically my entire adult life. I accepted a call when I was 15. I've been doing ministry my whole life. I grew up a preacher's kid. I didn't stand a chance. But the thing is, is that we're called to never stop. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I just want to stop. Sometimes, you ever just get discouraged? <laughs> you know, you do what you think's right, and then someone tries to chop you down. You ever been there before? You people that are doing ministry right now, you know, you're like, yeah, I get that. I get that. Little kids can say hurtful things too, can't they, right? Adults can say hurtful things too. There's all kinds of things that can get us down, but we don't go by that power. We go by the power of the Holy Spirit. David was being pursued by a king. Not to, not to just be thrown in prison or something like that. He was pursued to be killed. And he may have had that right, but as a Christian, that's not in our arsenal. Hate is never in the arsenal. If someone talks bad about you, talk good about them. Love them. Pray with them. That's, that's how we handle it. In the church, how do, we, how do we keep peace here? Well, one thing, we don't talk bad about each other. And that word lave, that idea of heart, our conscience, who we are, what constitutes us, is based on what the Holy Spirit does through us. The second thing I want you to look at, it's out of verse 7. It says, the true believer does not engage in gossip or negative talk. Sometimes gossip and negative talk is fun. Somebody say amen. 
right? Because sometimes we enjoy it. What did they say? What was that? What, what's, what are they doing? We've all been guilty of that. Some people are like, no, I never gossip. Yeah, you do. You're gossiping in your mind right now. Well, Daniel don't know what he's talking about. No, the Bible teaches us that we all have wrong, that, that we've all done bad things. Gossip's a, it's a, it's a truly human thing that we all have done. It's not true, Daniel. Yeah, how many of y'all on Facebook? That's Gossip Central. That's Negative Talk Central. And it's for all that I love about social media. Sometimes I'm just like, I hate this. I hate it. There's a lot of good stuff we can do with it. We, we can proclaim the gospel. We can encourage people. We can pray, prayer, sin, positive vibes your way. We, you know, we act like that that's, the, that's the modern way to pray with people. Man, we need to stop, maybe put down our phones and our computers and our tablets and actually go out and hold someone's hand and pray with them. Actually, maybe wrap your arms around somebody and just hug them. If they don't like getting hugged, just hug them a little tighter. Just make them uncomfortable. But we're not called to hate. We're called to love. We're called to, to have a heart that's after God. David had a heart after God. Even though he did wrong, he felt bad. And he turns around and those people are just like, man, this is it. This is the time. This Kill him. This, you, this is your opportunity. God has given this guy to you to kill right here, right now. We don't participate in negative talk. We don't have, we don't have time for it. We don't have time for, for these things. And why is that? Because we're called to make disciples. We're called to preach the gospel. We're called to be evangelists, to do the work of an evangelist. That's what we're called to. We're called to be those types of people. And David, man, he's, here he is, and these people are just wanting to talk negative about the king. He's like, just stop it, stop it, stop it. Don't talk about the king in that way. We do not have the right to be a part of the problem. You don't have a right to be a part of the problem. Honestly, if someone talks bad about you or, or does something bad to you, if you retaliate, what does that do? Nothing. Doesn't accomplish anything. And even though it may feel good for a moment, and I told them, it doesn't accomplish anything. The third point I want us to look at today is that the true believer seeks to right wrongs and mend relationships. Verse 8. The true believer seeks to right wrongs and mend relationships. We ought to be seeking restoration in this world, not destruction. It's not what we're called to. My job is not to go out here and talk bad about people or whatever. My job is to talk about Jesus. My job is to pursue the gospel in my life and, and see that people know that the gospel is the way that they need to follow. And when we're looking at this, church, understand... I know sometimes it feels, I mean, I have a right to say this. I have a right to do this. I'm not saying just to lay down and just let people punch you in the face. But there's a way to handle controversy. There's a way to handle hate or dislike. There's a way to handle just disagreements within our families or our communities. What's wrong with America today is that we live in a day and age where, again, people are just really quick to say whatever's on their tongue instead of stopping and listening to the people they're arguing with. We need to be a nation again, I believe, that, that stops and listens and cares for our neighbor. We don't have to necessarily agree with them, but we can listen to them. Amen? We can listen to them and we can understand that, that God is ultimately the one who shows us the way. And Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so we seek to live our lives in such a way in which Jesus is glorified. And through that, I believe he brings restoration. We are called to seek Amending of relationships and to try to right the wrongs. And in verse 8, we see where David runs out and he says, My king. And then at one point, he calls him his father. Did you guys catch that? His father. You ever had a friend kind of stab you in the back? This is interesting because this has kind of happened to me recently. And by the way, I planned this sermon like six weeks ago. So it's interesting how the word works, right? But, but when someone stabs you in the back or they talk bad, and one thing, man, I can't stand when people talk bad about the church. And not just my church, but Christianity in general. I can't stand that. It, it really, it's kind of one of them things where I almost want to get militant about it, you know? It's about to get angry up in here. And I, and I don't, I have, to, I have to check myself because I don't want to be the person that's known as someone who's angry. 
or someone who's gripey. The thing is, is that when we're looking at this, we're called to mend relationships, we're called to right wrongs, we're called to push Jesus into every relationship that we have. We do not have in our arsenal the right to hate people, ever. Well, Daniel, they're sinners. It's not our call. Well, Daniel, they live this way. They're, they're into drugs. They're into you know, this lifestyle. We're not called to, to be that person. We're called to love them. We're called to lead them to Christ. If someone was always yelling at me and telling me everything I did wrong, and I'm, guys, I understand, we, we, we call out sin and we lay out what sin is, but there's a way to do that in love. And if we can agree to that, then we can also agree that if there's disagreements or there's things within the church or within our families, anybody here have family problems sometimes? Your family doesn't always get along or whatever? Jesus can heal that. But he's not going to heal that by us having attitudes and hating each other. He's going to heal that by us following him and loving him. And David, here he is. You know, he had every right in the world, and by the world's standards, I suppose, to, to go and to kill the king, but he understands that God has a better way. And I pray today that the church, that we understand this, that God's way is better for us. God knows better what to do than Daniel. He knows better what to do than the Southern Baptist Convention. Or Christianity in general. He is the author and finisher of our faith. He is the one that heals. He is the one that has redeemed mankind. He is the one that went to dark Calvary for our sins. He is the one that gives us power through the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one who at the last days every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord, not us. It's Jesus. It's Jesus. Man, I got to say it, I love my church. And, and by the work of the Holy Spirit, I can, say, I can say this. Even if someone doesn't like who you are, you can still love them. And that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. This world is a mess. <laughs> this world is a mess. It's, it's just, what, what, what do all you ladies say? I'm a hot mess. You know, everybody says that, right? Oh, don't take my, don't take a selfie with me. I'm a hot mess. This lady's, I always hear that. Like, hot mess, hot mess. What does that mean? Joni says it all the time, hot mess. No, she don't. She does. She does it. Oh, wait, I'll get my mic on. Hot mess. I, this world is a hot mess. Man, the nations can't get along. You know, here we are, the United States of America, and we're not united in any way. We're all united in that we like to take jabs at each other. You look at the world. You look at everything that's wrong. And it's really easy to get down. People come to church. They, oh man, I, you know, I'm more of a traditional person in worship. I'm more of a, <laughs> you know, I'm more of a, a modern worship. I, I like to have lights and, and, and I like to have programming and I, and I like to have just small Bibles. Everybody's got their wants and desires in a church. And usually it is, and this is the truth, is that people that gripe about the church, and I'm not saying poor in, in general, our church. It's, it's true anywhere. But usually people that complain are not even doing anything about it. You got a problem with something? Maybe God's calling your attention to change something. That is a catalyst for me. When I see something in a church, I'm like, man, we could do better about that. It's a catalyst to drive me to change something, to do something different, right? To, to try something different. Sometimes that's not always easy. Sometimes it's scary. But we need to understand today that we're not called to cause more harm. We're called to change something. And, and this is interesting because, guys, I'll just, let's just be honest with each other this morning. There's things probably about our church or maybe Christianity in general that you just don't like. Is that true? Stuff that you just don't get into. Man, I don't, you know, I don't like this. I don't like Okay. What are we doing to change the situation? What are we doing to improve it? Because I guarantee you, the thing is, is that God did not like the sin that was in your life. God did not like the road that mankind was going down. He, he did not like what sin had done to mankind. Instead of just sitting back and talking bad about mankind, He sent His Son, Jesus. 
Your example is not the world's example. Your example is God and what he did through Jesus and what he's now doing through the Holy Spirit in believers' lives daily. We do not have in our arsenal to hate people or to talk bad. It shouldn't be there. I know we can have bad attitudes, but guys, particularly when it comes to the church, if we're going to love the world, we need to be loving each other too. Talking bad about your neighbor or hating on people within the church, it's not going to accomplish anything. And guys, honestly, I'll tell you this. I've been doing ministry long enough, so believe it or not, I've had people come and go. Oh. And I'm not saying it doesn't hurt, but here's what I'm saying. I believe the power of the Holy Spirit empowers us to love people regardless. You may have people in your family that just, man, they just hate on you. They give you a hard time. They, they, don't, they don't like you for your faith. They don't like you for this or for that. Keep loving them by the power of Jesus. Keep loving them. Because the blood of Jesus covers a multitude of sin. We don't need to cover sin with more sin. Negativity with more negativity. The blood of Jesus has already covered it all. So we trust in him. Real quick, I want to wrap this up. This is David, David kind of learned a lesson here, right? He learns a lesson, and, and, and he learns not to necessarily just trust people around him and their opinions. He learns to trust him in his heart. And his heart was close to God, and in his heart, God was saying, that's not right. That's not right. Galatians chapter 6, real quick, and then... We'll close it out this morning. But Galatians chapter 6, I, I love this because we are given the outline. We're giving the, what God expects of the church, what, he, what, what his desires for us are. And I want you guys just to listen to this. You can look up here if you want to turn into scripture. But Galatians chapter 6 says this. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Guys, as I'm reading this, let it wash over you. Because again, we, man, we got you know, in the church, this and that goes wrong, or this and that, you know, whatever. This chapter 6 just speaks to my heart today. My faith grows because of it. And I understand that if I trust in Him, good things are going to come. If someone has transgression, we approach them with what? With gentleness. You could, put, you could change transgression and get more specific, couldn't we? And maybe I recommend you guys go home and do that this week. Transgression, what does that mean? It, it could mean a multitude of things, right? Any kind of sin, any kind of hate, any kind of thing like that. You could put, write it in there and that if anyone has done blank, we approach them with gentleness. Is that sometimes or only with certain transgressions? No. No. It's every time. Every time we approach him with gentleness. He says, keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. I think, Kim, you said this morning, you know, we're like all one step away from being, you know, in a bad spot. One step away from being a murderer. One step away from being addicted to something. One step away from, from, from hurting someone close to us, right? He says, be careful. Here's the thing. We get so high and mighty and on our high horses sometimes. We think, man, I'm here and everybody else is down here. And honestly, we're not called to that. When people dislike you, you know what they're really saying? They're saying you're less than them. And guys, that's not the truth. And so don't be drawn into that trap. Don't be drawn into that place where when you look at it, we're going to approach it with gentleness. We don't want to be tempted to be the same way. Verse 2, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. I love that because how many of y'all want to fulfill the law of Jesus? Everybody's like, man, I want to please Jesus. Bear each other's burdens. Bear each other's burdens. Sometimes Joni comes home and her job's tough sometimes and she's just upset. You know, she came home the other day. And guys, I, I can sit there and talk to her or whatever, but usually if I just go up and hug her, that makes her feel better. That's bearing, that's, that's joining together. What we need in the church is less griping and more hugging. Again, you huggers are like, no, no more of that, brother. <laughs> Some of y'all don't even like standing in a circle and hold hands, right? You're like, ah, oh, germs and all this. Guys, we need to be less gripers. We need to have more 
huggers. More people who are bearing each other's burdens. We talk about life groups, and you're like, I don't, again, I don't like life groups. Man, in life group, you know what you learn? How to bear each other's burdens. Sometimes it gets messy. You know, we had a silly argument the, uh, the last go-around with the, <laughs> with the family, uh, the, the, couples, the couples life group. Um, there was, you know, who's supposed to lock the door at night? It was the silliest argument, you know? Who's supposed to turn the lights off when we go to bed at night? Apparently it's the man. I think what was determined. <laughs> the women determined it. <laughs> so great, you know? But I mean, you know, honestly what I learned in that is that me and Joni have these petty little things that we're all, you know, I'll, I'll just get laid down at night. She's like, do you lock the door? I'm like, mm, man, come on. Now, I just got comfortable. We all have these little things, these little Little ticks, little things that we're all, but the thing is, is that I think what that does, it, it draws us together and understands that we're all, we all deal with the same stuff. And we should never be too busy. Never be too busy to unite with our brothers. Why do you say that, Daniel? Look here, look at this. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. David, when he's speaking to Saul, he's like, man, I'm just a, I'm just a flea on a dog. I think it's the, the literal translation there. I'm a flea on a dog, you know? But I think sometimes in the church, everybody wants to think, well, you know, my desires, my wants for what we do as a church body, you know, they're not being met. I'm not happy. I'm not this. I'm not that. When we come together as a church, that it's not about us. It's about glorifying Jesus. We don't think of ourselves as higher than other people. We look at other people around us and we say, you know what? We're all sinners and we need God. We are all sinners and we need a Savior. We need someone to mend what's wrong here. So we come together. We don't think ourselves higher than other people. Verse 4 goes on. It says, but let each one test his own work. And then... His reason to boast will be in himself alone and not in his neighbors. For each one will have to bear his own load. Man, we don't need to be people who are just on our own. We need each other. Like it or not, guys, you need me. It's true. Oh, I don't need Daniel. Okay, you may not need me, but you need other believers in Jesus. You need the body of Christ. You need the body of Christ in your life. Christ valued the church. And so you should also value the church. You guys, by the way, this isn't a poor FPC membership drive. I'm not preaching this for that reason. I'm just saying we need each other. He goes on. Let, let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. And if God has spoken to you today... Let somebody know. If he's spoken through your Sunday school teachers or through your pastor, let them know. I, I love to hear that. I love people say, you know, God, this is what he told me this morning. This is, this is what I get from this passage of Scripture. You know, Daniel, you make awesome points. This, I just want to repeat them to you so that you know I heard them. I'm just kidding. But I think what that means is that we need to encourage the people that are encouraging us. When you break it down, you encourage the people that are encouraging you. I'm encouraged every Sunday morning. I get here and there's, there's certain people that are here every Sunday morning to prepare the worship. And so much of the time, a lot of us may show up to church and we're just like, meh, I don't like that song. <laughs> That's true. I know people do it. They're like, meh. Man, it's kind of loud this morning. It's kind of soft this morning. It was meh. Instead of just coming and glorifying Jesus. Again, if, we're, if we spend all our time griping, we're going to end up griping. So what do we do? Well, we don't do that. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Verse 7. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For what one sows, that's... <laughs> He will also reap. Guess what? If you gripe, what are you going to reap? Gripes, I guess. Yeah? If you sow goodness, guess what you're going to reap? You guys seeing like the difference here? And, and, I've, I, and I, the more I think about it, when, I, when I've looked at like good examples of Christianity and bad examples of Christianity, I see this as truth. It's like, yeah, that's right. 
If a church only hates, there's a church up in Kansas that they like to go and you know boycott you know homosexuals' funerals and uh, uh, military funerals, right? I don't even want to mention their name, but that's what they're known for is hate. And you got the wonderful, you know, like like the Baptist Disaster Relief or you know the, our, the International Missions Board or North North American Missions Board. Uh, they're they're known for love because they reach out to people in times of distress. And destruction. We need to be people that are reaching out and loving. Because whatever we're sowing, that's what we're going to reap. I don't want to reap any more griping. (laughs) I don't want to reap any more of that. This world's got enough gripes. They do. For the one who sows... To his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, but the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Man, you guys doing good. It glorifies God, but man, you get to live forever too. That's pretty cool. You know? Some of y'all like to go to McDonald's because they'll give you that little printout receipt. And it says if you call this number and take the survey, then you'll get a free quarter pounder or something like that, you know? Jim knows what I'm talking about, right? It's good. That's a good deal, you know? Man, you get that that free quarter pounder or chicken nuggets or whatever. Why don't we invest in the kingdom of God knowing what we have ahead of us? We have glory ahead of us. Again, we do not have a reason to hate or to be part of the problem. We don't. But he wraps it up there. Verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. Guys, if you keep doing good, if you keep seeking Jesus, there's going to be a great big harvest. There's going to be good things come. You Awanas leaders, here's the thing. And the reason this sermon is so pertinent to us today is that in Awanas, it can be crazy, it can be hectic, and sometimes maybe we just pop off to each other, you know? I ain't got time. I got 50 kids here. You ought to be happy that you got 50 kids instead of five or none, or in the hospital dying, right? Again, it's, it's a change of mind. It's that mind of Christ that whatever Christ has blessed us with, we're just going to go with it. Because we know that we're not powered by our own power. We're powered by the work of the Holy Spirit. And it says here that if we keep working, if we never give up, that in due season we are going to have a great harvest the reason we do a lot is the reason I get up and preach every week is because I understand that this, this town, as negative as we can be about Purim sometimes, this is a, a harvest field. There are so many people that just need to know about Jesus. You look at an addict, quit looking at him as a worthless person and look at him as someone that God can redeem. Someone who, who's, who's, who's the worst sinner that you can imagine, that's someone that God can redeem, God can change. Church, we're not called to hate, we're called to love. Verse 10. Let's go back to my first point this morning. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. Again, what does everyone mean? It can mean a lot of things. As someone of a different religion, as someone of a different uh, Identity, as they say nowadays, right? It's someone of, of a different nationality. Someone maybe from south of the Texas border. Maybe it's someone from, you know, from Shakota. I don't know. We're to love everyone. We're to love every person. It's not in our arsenal. We do not have a right to ever hate anyone. Ever. You don't have a right. Quit believing the lie that if someone cuts you off in their life, that you cut them off. Or if someone is negative in your life, that you have the right to cut them off. You do not have the right to cut them off. Well, if they're negative, they're bringing negative energy to your relationship, then cut them off. That's unbiblical. You know what? As a believer, you can go boldly before the throne of God. But before you knew Jesus, you were a negative energy and God redeemed you. God redeemed you. So, if we have the opportunity, let's do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household 
of faith. Guys, I, I think we miss that sometimes because we're so intent. And I'm not, I'm not using this as a cop-out to do missions or to, you know, or to love the world around us. But he says to love everyone. And then he uses that word especially, the household of faith. Man, we need to be focusing on that at First Baptist a little more, I think, sometimes. And I understand some people are just going to be negative Nancys and negative Neds or whatever, you know. That's fine. We understand that. That's just, that's just life, isn't it? You, you, you can, you know, some people view a glass as half empty or half full or, you know, whatever. Everybody has different, I understand that. But as a church, we need to be determined to love each other. Regardless of how we feel, regardless of how these emotions are feeling right now, we need to love people regardless that we get up and, man, we just love people and we love people. And we may not feel appreciated. Well, guess what? You don't come to church to feel appreciated. You come to church to glorify God. God is the Redeemer. He is the great healer. He is the one that does all the good work in this world. All blessings flow from Him. I was listening to that old hymn, the doxology, this morning. It's uh, the Crowder version, you know. It's a little, a little more hip, I guess. But, but as I was a kid, um, we would every Sunday morning we sang the doxology in the church that I grew up in. And uh, when the when the guys would come down to, to do the offertory, they would sing, "Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below." Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Think about the doxology, just for a moment. We're not about praising ourselves. We're not about lifting ourselves up. When I look at someone around me that that I dearly love or that I'm having relationship problems with or whatever, I look at that person and I say, praise God from whom all blessings flow. God's blessings can cure this and can heal this. Whatever problem you're going through in life, he's the answer. When Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, he didn't just mean that as something that just sounds cool. You know, you you think about these famous uh, uh, people in the world today. You've got The Rock, right? And he picks this name because, man, it just sounds cool. I don't, you know, he probably picked The Rock because it just sounds like solid or something, right? Or, or the musicians that you think about. There's a musician and his name is uh, uh, Pitbull. You ever heard of him? I'm, I might fix fajitas to his music when I'm at the house, okay? Just so, just so you know. Makes me think of the cruise. I'm not lifting Pitbull up, by the way. But I'm just saying, look at his name. I mean, would it change if his name was Chihuahua? <laughs> or if the rock was Pebble? <laughs> they pick these names because it, 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 it connotates something kind of powerful, right? When I was a kid, I, I mean, I loved the, the Chicago Bears when I was a small kid back when they were good, you know? And, and there was, there was this, this player known as the Refrigerator. You know, I can't really remember his name off the bat. Perry, yeah. I, I can't remember his name off the bat, but I never forget his refrigerator. You know, who's going to forget that? Man, that name, that, that name is, 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 it just speaks volume, you know? But as a church, you know, I think our name should be love. But that can be even misconstrued, can't it? In English, we've got so many different meanings of love and all this. I'm not going to give the whole Greek meaning of love, agape, and, you know, all these different, all these different Greek words that, that the Greeks had. But, but here's what I want you to understand. As a church, that's what we're ruled by. And really, love is, love is all you need. When I think that was the Apostle John that said that, wasn't it? Love is all you need. This week... Make sure that you're living by the power of the Holy Spirit. Because here's the thing, you're going to have negativity come away, you high schoolers. Negativity's in high school, isn't it? College, college, there's negativity in college. Work folks, 
There's negativity at your work. We're not called to negativity. We're called to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about just being somebody who gets up and preaches and takes your Bible and dumps them on the head. What I'm saying is you're someone who goes and loves people to know Jesus. And it, it doesn't matter what they've said or done to you. We still love them by the power of the Holy Spirit. Aren't you glad that we're not left out here in the world on our own, but rather we are empowered to go forth and to do good works. And when it's all said and done, when it's all over, that you, when you and I are at the, at, the, at the throne room of God, when we can look back and say, you know what, I'm glad I didn't pop off to those people. I'm glad I didn't hate back. I'm glad I wasn't militant. I'm glad I wasn't someone who went and cut their robe. I'm glad I wasn't someone who just, who was negative to them. But you'll be happy that you just proclaimed Jesus because at the end, all that matters is that Jesus is proclaimed. Thank you, Jesus, for your words. God, today we see a big task in front of us. This world is negative. We've glorified negativity in our society. We, we want it. You know? It's like almost like people just, they, 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 they just want it. They desire it in their life. And Lord, honestly, you've not called us to negativity, but you've called us to be positive lights of your good news. Lord, would you, would you help us just to love people? Help us just to go forth in this place and to understand that, God, you are the great redeemer, that you are the one who, who has given us eternal life. And the world needs you today more than ever. Help us to take your truth to the world. And God, there's someone who is in this house today who does not know you. Would you, would you call them to repentance at this moment, God? your Holy Spirit lead them to make that decision. Yes, it's in your name.